Let's see, I, I want to I jump in this passage. First of all, let me just start with a quote from Bill Hybels. You'll possibly have heard this before. He said, the local church is the hope of the world. I love that. The local church is the hope of the world. See, church is amazing when it's working right. It is God's idea, but it can also be toxic. So, for example, last week, uh, when, we, when Chris was preaching on 1 Corinthians 11, um, there was a, there's a phrase in 1 Corinthians 11 that comes up, you do more harm than good, right? Like when they come together to do communion because of what they were doing, you do more harm than good. Church is amazing when it's working right. It's God's idea, but it can also be toxic. And so, for example, if we cast our, our mind back to what we were looking at last week, in, in Corinth at the time, in 1 Corinthians 11, what's described there. There's something that, there's a few pieces that are interesting to try to put together and try to understand in what was happening. And when you understand it correctly, it should cause some disgust. Um, it should cause some disgust. And so the, uh, essentially what was happening is somehow the people that were more spiritual were able to take communion first. Um, and they were doing it as sort of like a meal. And they also had the view that the more they ate or the more they drank, the more spiritual that would make them. You, what you had is you had some people that were feasting and getting drunk and other people that had nothing to eat. Now, can you imagine being a newcomer at a church like that? I mean, like, it would cause some serious distress and frustration and all sorts of things. Church is great when it's working right. I could give you lots of examples when church doesn't always work right. <laughs> It's been said there's no such thing as a perfect church. If you find the perfect church, don't go there. You'll ruin it. But the, the passage we're looking at today speaks um, significantly into what I hope we are and can be as a church. And we want to continue more and more as a church, as a, together as a body, to be, to be a body where God works among us and through us in more and more powerful ways. And so check this out. First of all, you, you, we've been working through Corinthians. And as you'll know, hopefully, we, we, what we have essentially is one half of the conversation. They've written a letter to Paul. He's responding to their letter. And there's loads of issues that are coming up. And so, for example, there's issues like there's leadership issues around his apostleship. There's lawsuits among believers. There's sexual immorality and different ideas about how to respond there's people using temple prostitutes. There's Gnosticism. There's this spiritual hierarchy regarding communion that, we've, that I've just mentioned. And even where we're coming, there's competition over spiritual gifts. As though people are saying, I'm better than you or you're better than me or that sort of thing. As though there's some sort of competition here. Which is ridiculous when it's the same spirit at work in different people. Now we've got our issues today, don't we? Issues such as worship styles, service styles, theological divisions over things like homosexuality or women in leadership. What we face isn't insignificant, but I feel like we've got it really easy compared to Corinth, okay? And into this context in Corinth, Paul wanted to encourage their unity, remind them of their mission, and get them to depend on the Holy Spirit, and so this goal that keeps coming up in different ways in Corinthians is that they have unity with diversity. Unity with diversity. 
to unity. We are one body. Diversity, we're one body of many parts. What a great illustration of that. So for example, as we hear in verse 12, the body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. And so for example, in chapter 12, if you were to look at just the structure of chapter 12, the kind of the first half of the chapter is on the unity of the, of the body. And the second half of the chapter is on the diversity of the body. So here's some of the things that come out in the first half about unity. We confess the same Lord, verses 1 to 3. Verses 4 to 6, we all depend on God to work through us. Verses 7 to 11, we minister to the same body. Verses 12 and 13, we've all been baptized in or by the same spirit. This is all unity. And then diversity, verses 14 to 20, we have different functions. Verses 21 to 26, we need to depend on each other. Verses 27 to 31, diversity fulfills the will of God. Our diversity is actually a good thing. And I love how it's put in verses 4 through 6. If you have your own Bible, you can underline some of these bits. If I was underlining things in verses 4 to 6, what I'd want you to see is that the word different is used three times. The word same is used three times. And what you've got is a parallelism where something like the same thing is being said three times in a row. And it's trying to stress this, what's different and what's same, right? So check this out. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men and women. So different kinds of gifts, different kinds of service, different kinds of working, but it is the same spirit, the same Lord, the same God. The diversity of our gifts all flow from the same source, which is the triune God. And so the first thing I'd want you to see in 1 Corinthians 12 that I think is beautiful is I'd want you to see the sovereignty of God in the great mission that we're part of. Essentially, we play our small part in something that is much bigger than ourselves. And so you can read through the chapter, and what you'll find, if you pay attention to, the, to who's the one who's doing the, the action at different points, right? What you'll find is the, the agent who's doing the action over and over again is actually God. So, for example, in verse 11, check this out. All of these are the work of the same Spirit, and he gives them. See, notice who's doing. He gives them to each one just as he determines. Verse 18, but God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. Verse 24, with our presentable parts, they need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body you see, God's the one acting here. Verse 28, and in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, and, and it goes on. So what we see is that God is the one who is at work in this big way, far bigger than any one person or any one church. And what we do is we play our part in that bigger picture. Now, every now and then, you get to see, you get a glimpse of what God might be doing in a bigger way. And when it happens, it's incredibly exciting. Often we don't know, right? But every now and then. An example for me of this that stands out, which I've told a few of, this, a few of you this story. It's an old story of mine. Basically, at one point, when I was a, a young Christian, a group of us went to Detroit Lakes to do street evangelism. 
Detroit Lakes was this area where it basically had some beautiful lakes in Minnesota. And for a little while, it was on Playboy's top 10 list of where to go for 4th of July holiday, okay? And so what would happen is this little town of 10,000 people would balloon to something like 30,000 people. The 10,000 people would leave. It had lots of camping areas and lakeside areas and such. And so you'd get this massive influx of people that were there for a wild weekend. The churches obviously weren't very happy about this. And they were praying into what they could do. And so because people are just hanging out, drinking alcohol, um, they thought, well, what we'll do is we'll invite Christians to come in and to share, share faith in Christ. And so I was part of these Christians going around, and we had different rules about how to do this, okay? And so, for example, if someone was too drunk, we'd just leave them alone. It just isn't, you know. And we would spend our days going around with these, like, questionnaires that asked loads of good questions, got people talking and thinking about spiritual things. One evening, we were, we were out later than we were supposed to be, um, and it was because of a really exciting God time of, pray, of two, these two girls praying to receive Christ um, on the beach, and there was just this strong sense of God at work, really exciting stuff. And after that, we were heading back to our campsite, which was in the backyard of, this, of this past, the pastor of one of these churches. And as we're heading back to the campsite, my friend Scott, who's sometimes very aware, he's very, sometimes very tuned into what the Spirit of God's doing, and I love it. He's driving this little minivan, or whatever you'd call it, and there's two guys on the side of the road that are just wasted. And he pulls over to, to help them out. And the rest of us in this minivan are going, what are you doing? These guys, they can't, under, they can't understand anything we're saying to them. or anything. It's just they're completely... And the, the little thing, the little bit that we can understand from them is that their friend who has the key to the hotel room has been arrested, and so they can't get into their hotel room. And so my friend Scott invites them back to our campsite, gives them, gives them a tent and some sleeping bags. The next morning they wake up, they have no clue where they are. Um, we invite them in to the pastor's, the pastor's home, to, into his kitchen for breakfast. They come in, they sit and have some breakfast. And a few of my friends try to share Christ with these guys, right? And they're having none of it. And I'm sitting there thinking, God, what are you doing? Right? God, if this is, did my friend Scott just hear you wrong? Is this not of God? They're sitting, they're having breakfast. My few friends who have tried to share faith with them have kind of given up. And they're about to finish their breakfast. And the pastor comes wandering through. And he says, so where are you guys from? And they say a state that's several states away from Minnesota, okay? They're from Nebraska, and this is Minnesota, okay? This is a long ways away. Anyways, and so he says, where are you from? They say, Nebraska. He says, really? Where in Nebraska? If they say some little town I've never heard of before. Really? Um, it turns out the pastor of this church has been, had been praying for the father of one of these boys for something like 20 years and had no contact with him or way to get in touch. And all of a sudden, you just sit there and you go, what on earth is God up to? Right? And you get this, all of a sudden, you get this glimpse into a bigger picture of what God is doing. You see, the point is, first of all, one thing I want you to see in 1 Corinthians 12 is that God, it's God's work. He's the architect of, the, of a worldwide mission. And we just want to say, God, how can I play my part? I might not even know how my piece fits in the bigger puzzle, 
But actually, God, I want to play my part. And so first, this is God's work that we're part of. It's his great mission. Pastor Kirbyan Caldwell, the Willow Creek Leadership Service, said it this way. There are two great moments in a person's life. The moment you were born and the moment you realize why you were born. And so then what we see here in 1 Corinthians 12 as well is that God, as part of this great mission, actually wants to enable individual people to do things as part of his work. Essentially, God wants to gift and enable you. And bear in mind, this isn't natural gifting. Like you might be good at different things, but actually quite often what God will do is he will take people who are willing, who are able to say, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And he will gift you in ways that you won't expect. To do his work. And in ways beyond what you would be able to do in your own strength. Quite often what we find is, is this is referred to as spiritual gifts. This is the spirit of God enabling you to do something that you wouldn't be able to do on your own. For me personally, uh, something I share sometimes is that when I was in uh, what would be kind of like school year eight. We had to give speeches. I was the only person in the class that was so terrified of public speaking that I couldn't get a word out. So I love it years later when God called me to preach. <laughs> right? And you kind of go, okay, God. <laughs> what we see is that these are spiritual gifts. Um, verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. Verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Or verse 13, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Samuel Chadwick wrote about his discovery of the work of the spirit in the following way. And check this out. I love this because a lot of you will connect with what he says here. He says this. Every part of my being wakened up. I did not get a new set of brains, but I got a new mentality. I did not get a new faculty of speech, but I got a new effectiveness of speech. I did not get a new dictionary, but a new Bible. Immediately, I was a new creature with the same basis of natural qualities, energized, quickened, reinforced into a bigger vitality and effectiveness that nobody would have ever dreamed possible. That is what happens to those upon whom the Spirit comes. And bear in mind as well that sometimes spiritual gifts can be unusual, right? We got some things mentioned here, such as prophecy or speaking in tongues, and it's fantastic. It's exciting when God works in that way. But Paul tries to drive home as well that actually the way God might gift you may not be unusual, but it doesn't mean that it's any less supernatural. So what, well, the way Paul drives this home is with 1 Corinthians 13, that love is what really matters. Tom Smale said it this way, the spirit, spirit must not be spiritualized. He operates in the body and his business there is to produce visible glory, which all who have eyes for reality can see. And so the way that the spirit of God gifts you could be in loads of different ways. By the way, we have lists in scripture. I love that the lists don't line up with each other. Let me explain. So there's a list in in Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, here in 1 Corinthians 12, you have these various lists, but they don't line up with each other very well. 
Sometimes there's some overlap, but if you kind of combine them all, you have about 20 different gifts of the Spirit. There's no perfect list. And I think that's on purpose. <laughs> because this way that the Spirit of God might work may not be the way, it was work- way he was working then. And so to put any list on the works of the Spirit might not be exhaustive enough, right? At the same time, looking at these lists does give you an idea of how, what the Spirit might want to do in you and through you. There was a, a situation, and like I'm not normally this like pastoral, huggy bear sort of guy. I, I do my best. So there's a situation where um, what had happened is, so I've got three youth in the youth ministry, um, their mother... One day, she, their youth are coming home from school. She's welcoming them, and she has a brain aneurysm right on the spot and dies. I just hear the news. I go walking into the church center, and I'm just, I'm rocked by it. Like, I've got three youth who don't have a mother anymore, and someone says something to me, and I go walking into a room, and what we've got in the room are people that had been praying with this lady for years, who were close friends, loved her, were absolutely distraught. And two of the teenage girls that were her children are there, and they're looking at me like, we need your help. Now that's very much the sort of moment where I'd want to go, hold on, let me get somebody else. (laughs) Right? But what I often find is in moments like that, the Spirit of God goes, I'll give you what you need. That if we're able to go, God, you work it with me, work through me, I'll be used. God will give you the words to say. God will give you the, the heart, will give you the whatever you need. The Spirit of God will enable you. And so there might be some of you already that right now that are going, I don't, I'm not good at working with youth. Do you know what? What I suggest is you say, God, where is the need? And probably the needs that you see are going to be the Spirit of God directing you to do something about them. Like you pray into it, and even if you say, I don't know if that's me, step into it, because you might find that the Spirit of God gives you what you need. And so the Spirit of God we see in 1 Corinthians 12 gifts us with spiritual gifts, and the purpose of those spiritual gifts are for the common good. They're for others. They're so that we can serve each other as the body of Christ. So it says in verse 7, Now to each one, each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And again, what does this look like? 1 Corinthians 13, it'll often look like love. So it's interesting here. The Corinthians are very open to the Spirit of God, but they've left the, let the gifting of the Spirit become a source of division. This division is contrary to the work of the Spirit. And so we should be marked by the Spirit working among us in such ways that it is shown both in signs and wonders, but also in love and unity. You're gifted, not for your own pride or ego, but for the common good. And I love as well that Essentially, what, become, what happens then is that what we become together is far stronger than what we would be individually. An illustration of this uh, that I shared actually at my, at my interview for, for coming here was, was basically of a, of a time 
when I was leading a thing called, it was called Backyard Bible Clubs. And what we would do is we would go into a neighborhood and we would do kind of like, for a whole week, children's Bible clubs every day. And we would put flyers around the neighborhood, invite everybody to come. Well, this particular backyard Bible club was in a very rough area where Mexican immigrants were, t- were typically the people that were living in these mobile homes. But we were doing a backyard Bible club there. And I had a bunch of teenagers that were helping me out. And there, was these, there were these two little boys that really got my heart because when I went to their home to give a flyer and invite them, you could see that the home, I mean, it was just a really hard situation. And the younger boy was too young for our group, but he came along anyways, uh, and that was fine. And the older, so they were probably like ages three and five. And there were things like, along the way, along the way, both of them prayed to receive Christ. Along the way, um, one, one day, the, the three-year-old showed up with horrible burns down his face. In a normal context, you would call child safety services. You would have him taken away from his, like, because he, they don't have medical care. Like you have, you're all of a sudden thrown into difficult situations where you're trying to figure out what you're doing. We, right there when I saw him, I just immediately just prayed for him. And, but you have these sort of things that were going on. The five-year-old boy at one point, at the end of the week, he brought me a, a handful of pencils, gave, oh, sorry, I could get a bit emotional, gave them to me and asked me if I could give them to kids who don't have pencils. At one point in the middle of the week, this is just one of these moments where I just kind of thought, oh, God, you are so good. The little, the three-year-old boy had hurt himself playing a game. And he was just bawling like three-year-olds can do, right? Now, at that point in my life, I don't have kids yet, so I don't know what to do. You know, like, he's just absolutely bawling. And I'm in this situation trying to figure out what do I do. And the beautiful thing, I love this. I look at this 12-year-old girl that's helping me. And I can see in her eyes, I can see just something in her eyes, like a care or something like that. And all I did was I gave her a nod. Like literally, that's all I did. And that gave her the permission to to act. And what she did is she swept in and she scooped this little boy up in her arms just with this beautiful hug in a way like I wouldn't know how to do. And to me, it's just a beautiful example. That 12-year-old girl knows how to be used by God in that situation. You see what I mean? Like there are, as the body, we need 12-year-old girls who can do that. We, can need, we need people like me that can do what I can do. We need you, we need all of us doing, playing our part, saying, God, how do you want to use us as part of your great work? Well, obviously the picture then that we get when this happens is beautiful. Realize some things in this. No matter what part you are, no matter what part you play, No part is unnecessary. You have a distinct purpose. Every part is valuable in 1 Corinthians 12, no matter how fragile. We're to care for each other. We're even to suffer together, it says in in verse 26. Bill Hybel said, the local church is the hope of the world, and I think he's right. You see, church is amazing when it's working right. And we want and want increasingly to be a church where the Spirit of God is at work powerfully, where people are empowered by the Spirit of God to share Christ with the world, where the spiritual gifts are marked by a commonality, service, and love that is a taste of God's kingdom breaking into this world. And so we say, God, use us. Let's pray.
Father, we, we pray for your help in this. We pray for your guidance, your encouragement. Father, I pray that you would get people across this room excited about ways that you're using them even in the days to come. I pray that you would, that when we face, face situations where we're out of our comfort zone, that you would help us to step into those situations knowing that you will be with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.